0: Hey, welcome everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. It's good to be with you. Glad you're here. I'm here with uh, Adam Aline and Clint Poppy. <laughs>
1: did, did you forget
0: who we were here no, for I, a second? I, I would, yeah, I would no, never I'm, forget. I'm very forgettable. It's so. just, you know, when you segue, sometimes you have to do it well, and then sometimes you don't do it as well as you want to. It's but all the drugs you're taking. Go ahead and admit it. Well, exactly. You know, when you have these allergies in winter, it, I've never had this before in my life, and uh, I always thought it was a cold. But then I went to the doctor and the doctor says, No, you've got allergies really bad. So now I'm on meds for that and so who knows what's gonna happen to me next. But I'm thankful for the meds. God works through medication to help people. Thanks. Are be you to allergic
2: God. to poinsettias? No, it was because
0: I helped to harvest this fall and, and you know, when you would unload at the elevator, uh, or at the bin, you know, you'd get all this corn dust. And uh, I think that's what did it. That's
2: what did it for me. Woke, in any event. Woke something up in you. Huh?
0: Yeah, indeed. You know, gentlemen, if you've been paying attention, and I know you guys do more than probably a lot of people, you've been paying attention to what's been going on in Washington, D.C. And I know that there are a lot of political arguments that can be made regarding this. Uh, pro, con, etc. And you can argue, well. But how about theologically, guys? I mean, Theologically speaking, what are your observations about what's going on in Washington, D.C.? Adam, I'm going to start with you.
1: Well, um, I think it's, it's really worrisome for us in the church because of the process that's happening um, where charges are being made and there's no opportunity to substantiate or unsubstantiate them and uh, in our court of public opinion, we're guilty until proven innocent again, uh, which is something we have actually constitutional protection against. Um, And my nervousness is that this is gonna get turned around to us in the church here in the future. Uh, I think also, uh, if we're gonna be completely honest with it, some of the things that are happening uh, in the wider political world, communism uh, was created uh, by Marx, and the idea is is that those who are economically oppressed will overtake the rest and become the leaders of our society, and that was tried, and it failed pretty miserably, and now we're trying it again, but instead of economically oppressed people, we are doing it with um, socially oppressed people minority groups uh such as women or um homosexuality people and uh things like that are now the the oppressed groups and the idea i think that's being shoved down our throats is that they're going to come over and rule and i think even you see this in some of the movies as well if you saw the um wonder woman movie where um at the end of the movie Uh, Wonder Woman saving the day running through all these snipers and then uh, she jumps onto this piece of metal to kill the last sniper and the men throw her up in the air to the church steeple where the sniper is, and she knocks down the entire church steeple, kills the sniper who's up there, and then now she's standing at the pinnacle of the tower of the church in place of where the cross used to be, and now she's the one that's doing this. And this whole even concept of feminism as the oppressed thing, I think we're really in a tough thing, and that's really off topic from where you started, but (laughs) all these things are going through my mind here. Okay, so, so bring it back. What, what's the
2: theological problem here? I, I'm,
1: not, I'm not that deep of a thinker,
2: you know, and I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I think a lot of it is just spot on brilliant. But what I see is there is zero regard for authority, zero regard for the fourth commandment. Um, we have people in our church that get upset if we mention the president or the governor by name simply doing what god tells us to you mean do. you pray for them we pray for them we pray for president trump we pray for governor ricketts we prayed and, for president obama when he was and and i mean just to be completely upfront, and that is uh, that, so we get people that are upset about that in the same way that five years ago when we prayed for president obama we had people that would get mad as well and so What I see are these uh, political (coughs) divisions that are uh, getting their roots, and the the division used to be Jew-Gentile in the church. And now we have we have white churches, we have black churches, we have rich churches, we have poor churches, we have uh, red state churches, and we have blue state churches, we have uh, Trump churches, and we have Obama churches. And so that's where the, the political and the theological overlap. And quite frankly, most pastors are afraid to even talk about the problem.
0: Well, if I, if I understood what you were saying earlier, Adam, uh, we we're trying to say that God is very concerned with people being treated fairly and justly. Is that correct? God is. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good, because that that's that's an important theological point to make as we observe what's happening in Washington D.C. these days. Is is true justice being administered? In other words, has the person committed the crime? that they're alleged to commit? Have fact witnesses been interviewed, et cetera? Or is it just hearsay, et cetera? Is it fact or is it opinion? Make sense?
1: Yeah, And how can you spin it? Right, right.
0: so here's my, here's my point in trying to just make it clear for our listeners, is that when you observe what goes on in Washington, D.C., and this will help you in observing anything in life in the secular world, is God is very concerned, and I must say this, and I I know that Missouri Synod Lutherans are not not, uh, used to hearing this, but this is what the scriptures teach. You read the Old Testament prophets, and boy, you will learn that God is concerned when judges do not treat people fairly with justice. You remember even Jesus tells a parable about a widow who goes to an unjust judge to get justice against her opponent. Now, unjust judge. Did you catch that? Why would Jesus use a parable and make one of the main characters an unjust judge? I'll tell you why. Because one of the constant complaints of the people of Israel and God and his prophets in the Old Testament was that the political, for lack of, for to use our language, the justice system was corrupt. The judges were paid off. Or they didn't care about true justice, and so they would render judgments that were unfair and unjust. And who gets hurt? The poor, the innocent, the elderly, etc. God is very concerned that this does not happen. Okay, so that's one theological aspect. Now, true justice then is part of the estate in which God works, and it's the estate of civil authority. This is, this is something that God has instituted for the sake of p- keeping people in check, okay? People, if they do wrong, they'll be held accountable. Read 1 Timothy 1 about the law is good and it needs to be used lawfully. So if you're a murderer, God will use the law and the earthly authorities to prosecute you and punish you appropriately, okay? So when you see things going on in Washington, D.C., and if there's no true justice going on, this is not God-pleasing, and why is this happening then? So I'll just simply, for the sake of the discussion, let's just assume that injustice is being done right now in Washington, D.C., okay? Let's just say that for the sake of the discussion. Why is this happening? Okay, let's get to the bottom
2: line here. Theologically speaking, why is this happening? Clint, you want to have a whack at it? Well, uh, I want to I want to frame your question here just a little bit before, before we try to answer it. Uh, wouldn't you say that both sides of the argument, with what's going on in Washington, with regard to impeach or not impeach, both sides are saying injustice has been done. Yes. The the uh, yes uh, the Republican side or the right side the uh, conservative side would say there's no rule of law, justice has not been done. The Uh, anti-Trump, pro-impeachment crowd would be saying we have a president who has violated justice and the rule of law, and this must be dealt with. Would would it be fair to say that both sides of the argument are saying the same thing? Precisely. And what God has given
0: is there are earthly authorities who will decide. Judges, juries, etc., you see. And so God's at work Okay. And,
2: and so, so p- this is a fourth commandment issue. Yes. Uh, yes, when you know you asked before what what part of God's word applies here. God is the ultimate authority, and God delegates that authority. It is God at work through parents, uh, police officers, uh, elected officials, uh, parents in the home. All of these are ways that God exerts his rule of law and his authority to
1: all people, not you're, just his people, but you're, to all people. You're yes. correct. The problem is, is that our society doesn't actually believe that there is a truth, and that is a denial of God, of course, who is the truth, but they don't believe there actually is an objective truth that can be understood or determined, and as a result, it's not a question of truth versus uh, untruth, it's a question of opinion. And so you have the one side that this is our opinion, and you have the other side that this is our opinion, and when you take God or an objective truth out of the equation, there's no way to actually determine what the actual truth is. We just have opinion.
0: This, we, you just hit upon something that is very important. You mentioned no objective truth, or let's put it this way, there are people who refuse to listen to objective truth. Why is that? Well, here's the theological answer. It's because there is only subjective truth, and theologically speaking, subjective truth is Gnosticism, this is the American religion. Are you listening, folks? The American religion, Now I'm making a general statement to make my point. The American religion, generally speaking, is Gnosticism. It is the Genesis 3 religion. Gnosticism says, like Satan said in, in Genesis 3, you shall be as God, and you will say what is good, and you will say what is evil. Subjective truth. Now, Gnosticism. Let's not forget the early church had to deal with Gnostic false preachers. Paul had to deal with this when he wrote his first letters. His first letter to Timothy. Uh, this is very important that we understand the context into which. Uh, Timothy was dealing, and Paul tries to help him, is that it's a Jewish Gnosticism that the early church had to deal with immediately, because let's not forget, Alexander the Great Hellenized and Greeked the entire civilization of the world at that time, and that includes the Jews, the Hebrews, okay? And so they got Greek, and so Gnosticism was in, it infiltrated everything, and one of the main teachings of Gnosticism was you have a spark of divinity within you, which means... That you are self-creating, you are self-perpetuating, and you are self-saving. You, are, you, you make yourself whatever you want to be. Sound familiar? Does that sound American? You can be anything you want to be. Now, on the one hand, you can say, well, yeah, we understand that. But on the other hand, it's a deep-seated Gnostic religion where, again, I'm going to repeat this, and we're going to come back to this after the break this is really important. Why is, why is injustice happening not only now in Washington, D.C., but why will it happen in the future? And why has it happened in the past? And why are there unjust judges all over the world in the United States? Is because they are Gnostic. And so to give a classic example of this, the abortion industry and the abortion people who say that abortion is wonderful, it's because they're Gnostics. They are self-creating, They're self-perpetuating and they're self-saving. And therefore to kill the child within you is good. Not evil. Path to success. Yeah, more on this stuff when we come back from the break.
2: The style's creak, I should sleep, it's keeping me awake.
1: It's the house telling you to close your eyes.
0: Welcome back, everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. You know, Psalm 146 says, Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. Um, Things go wrong uh, in the civil realm when princes who are creatures of God and who are to act as creatures of God within certain boundaries that God himself has given. When these creatures decide, you know what? I know better than God. I know better than his word. Now, they they may not say that categorically in those kind of words, but the way they talk and the way they act is precisely how this gets revealed. So example, if you're not following what I'm saying, let me give you, again, a classic example. God says, do not kill, do not murder in the fifth commandment. Protect life. And too many politicians in the civil realm in our country think that it's perfectly fine. In fact, it's like a sacrament to murder your child in the womb, okay? So God says, do not trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. My point here is this real quickly, and then Clint has a question that he wants to ask, and we'll get to that in a second. But thing you can always diagnose when things go wrong in the civil realm, when creatures, I'm talking about civil authorities who are God's creatures who have been given certain creaturely work to do, and there are boundaries to it, all of a sudden think that they're a divinity and that there are no boundaries to their work, and what I mean by that is they actually think they can bring about the kingdom of heaven on the face of the earth. Finally, we can have utopia. I think to a certain extent, did you hear what I said to a certain extent, this is precisely what we are observing in Washington, D.C., where creatures, politicians, are, are acting as pretend divinities and they are really trying to save. Did you hear what I said? And I mean that. They are trying to be salvific. They are trying to save a country from the devil. And when I say the devil, I think they, that they've made it clear who the devil is. It's the president of the United States. They, now, they don't say it in so many words, but when they say that our country is in deep jeopardy or in deep crisis or whatever the words they used, not only now, but in the future, in 2020, they have become salvific and they're using the Constitution to do religious things, you see. This is the deep-seated problem. Again, to repeat, don't trust in princes because you don't have salvation in them. These men, this is the problem with all politicians, and I want to make sure I'm not just picking on like Democrats, but Republicans have the same problem. It's the same Genesis 3 problem. Is that they they forget that they are creatures, and they think they are divinities, and they think that their words are divine and infallible, and so it's what what happens now. One of the things we're observing is whether it's in uh, communist Stalinism, okay, or whether what well, you mentioned something earlier, uh, Marxism, right, mm-hmm. Adam? Our, um, <coughs> these, it, it's a religion. And so, so when, if you say a certain thing that contradicts their religion, or if you think a certain way that contradicts their religion, then you become, as Hillary Clinton said during the campaign of 2016. In other words, I'm going to paraphrase Hillary's words. If you disagree with me and the stance of the Democratic Party, you are irredeemable.
1: Now, do you understand the significant shift this is? It, it, isn't that kind of... Crazy too, considering the the beauty of what our the framers of our Constitution set up was a system in which there was no person who actually was the authority or the the person who we look to for salvation or the person who is the ultimate um, in charge person. Rather, the authority was supposed to be the actual law itself. That that was the thing that was. So it's not I'm following you or or uh, Hillary or Trump or whatever, but rather I'm an American and I have these rights because the law says so, and God I have given. these freedoms. In, right?
0: In, in yeah, God given. The, and this gets back to objective truth versus the subjective gnostic religion of the United States. Now, I want to finish my point here, if I may, with what Hillary said. I don't think people really understand what was revealed in her words. That is when. When, well, let me back it up here. It used to be, now again, I'm making a general statement and it may be romantic. If it is, well, correct me. But generally speaking, when politicians would deal with each other, they would do so in a civil way and say, yes, now my opponent has made this point and I've heard the point. However, I disagree and here is why I disagree with my opponent. It would be done in a civil way and it would be done diplomatically in that kind of a fashion. Make sense? That's no longer done anymore. And here's the significant shift. And you talk like that the old way because you knew that you're a creature. And you knew that you were doing stuff that was creaturely work, that had boundaries, that you could only do so much, okay? Now we're beyond that. Uh, And I'm not saying this is anything new, okay? But what was revealed in her remarks, and again, I'm paraphrasing, if she was saying to all of us on the campaign in 2016 that if you disagree with what I say and what I think and what my programs are in the Democratic Party that I represent, you are irredeemable. Here is the, the significant shift is now we have, we have learned that politics is now salvific and it is a religion. And so the, the language reveals what's going on. This is now the language of theology irredeemable and there's only one thing you can do with people who are irredeemable you can't talk to them you can't reason with them you can't even debate with them there's only one thing you can do with irredeemable people and what is that they must be eliminated by any means possible Brothers and sisters, what we are witnessing in Washington, D.C., to a certain extent, is not just a political exercise of trying to exert power over another. That's true. But there is something else going on here. This is the Gnostic religion revealing itself. That is to say, if you hold a certain point of view that goes against our worldview, you are irredeemable and you must be stopped at all costs now and in the future. Because the salvific state of the United States and the world is at stake. So, again, to repeat, this isn't just politics. Politics has evolved into a religious exercise of the justification of the self. And what is the justification of the self? The satanic, believing the satanic lie. You shall be as God. And whatever you say, whether it's factual or whatever, it's good. And whatever you call evil, whether it's factual or not, it's evil. And you are in total command. This is, again, nothing new. How do I know that? Well, Nebuchadnezzar. When the Israelites were taken into Babylon into captivity, Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet tall. Now, did you catch the language there? Image. Image of gold. Why would it be an image? Because Nebuchadnezzar said he was what? God. A son of God. A son of God. And keep in mind, Jesus is the image of the Father, remember? Colossians. Yes, the image. He's divine, in other words. Jesus is the divine son of the Father. And so Pharaoh, Pharaoh said the same thing. The Caesars said the same thing. So if you, if you know the ancient coinage in the uh, Roman world, you had the, the face of the Caesar, and below the face of the Caesar, Lord and God. God. So I hope this is making sense. Now I said you had a question earlier, Clint, but uh, maybe I've addressed it. Maybe well, you, you,
2: you have addressed most of it. I just uh, for some of our hearers, you know you're, you're using the term <laughs> Gnosticism in, uh, in a way that I think many people um, are not familiar with. And so if you could do two things. one, uh, give a very simple um, as if I'm a seventh or eighth grader, Give a very simple definition of what you mean when you talk about Gnosticism. And then if you can make crystal clear how what's going on in Washington right now supports your assertion that Gnosticism is the American religion. Well, that's being perpetuated. Yes, Yes, yes.
0: Well, Gnosticism is like I said earlier. It is the lie of Genesis 3. You shall be gods, which means you create yourself, you sustain yourself, you save yourself, to use our
2: language of, okay? In other words, you're but God. Salvation is in knowledge? Yes. No, I think that's and, and what then, most people think yes, of thank you. when they hear that word Gnosticism, knowledge. Because that's what it
0: means. It means knowledge. Gnostic means knowledge. So Gnosticism is about a secret knowledge that only a few know. And you got to get on in the in
2: crowd. You got to be in the click. Kind of like the secret handshake to get into the club. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I, the secret I think knowledge in a much is, simpler way than you. That's why I'm trying to break it down. So the,
0: simple, the, the secret knowledge is that you, you are a divinity. And we're going to help you become one. Okay? It, that spark of divinity, we're going to inflame it, and you'll be full-blown divinity. And what is the secret knowledge? What you say is good, what you say is evil despite what anybody else says or whether the facts reveal this or not. Now, the bottom line is you are a God.
2: And as God, you get to make the rules. You get to set up the structure. Um, you are your own rule of law, you are a law unto yourself. And this is how, is how it happened. So theologically,
0: of course, then you don't need Jesus to save you because you're not a sinner, et cetera, et cetera. But politically speaking, in the civil realm, a Gnostic is, yes, I'm the judge, I'm the jury, I'm the hangman,
1: and everybody
2: else be damned. And
1: vengeance. Yes. God has the authority of vengeance, and so if you're your own God, you get to... Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: And so, you know, I, I know we're running out of time in this uh, particular program, Pastor. What is a Christian to do? Uh, pray, of course. But what is a Christian to do in light of the reality that we see around us where it appears that Gnosticism is like this cancer that has taken over everything? And everything that it attaches itself to is being killed.
1: Well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think prayer. Be in the Word. And I think we also could learn a lot from the way Paul operates quite often in the book of Acts, where he works within the governmental system to make sure his rights are protected and that the Word gets the opportunity to go out and speak the truth. Uh, and so I think that's the same things we need to do now that's also. The,
0: that's the fruit of faith in Jesus Christ. One of the fruits of faith in Jesus Christ is to pray that justice is done, that God will use judges and juries, etc., as his instruments to do what is fair And equitable and just. And when it's not, when that doesn't happen, we pray for God to either repent these people or remove them. I think this is critical. I'm begging you, gentlemen, that in your Sunday prayers and not just your individual prayers, but I'm going to beg you that when you pray for kings and all those in authority, according to 1 Timothy 2, or as Jesus said, render under Caesar what is Caesar, it's time for us to pray that God will either repent or remove all those in civil authority that brazenly oppose God's word and will, and name the topic, gender, marriage, life in and outside of the womb, and what I also pray for, true justice. They mu- we must do that, and what, and then we, we must be active as Christians as we have our freedom still, hopefully for a long time, freedom to vote, freedom to go to town halls, freedom to speak to the authorities, and Tell them to repent to their face. Tell them that if what they're doing is not God-pleasing, we need to tell them
2: that. And by what authority would you do that? God's Word. God's Word. The authority of God's Word that every Christian has.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, folks. In the meantime, stay moving.